Hi, and welcome to the Book of Medora, the podcast where we talk about Zelda lore. I'm Crystal, and with me today is Cameron. Hi! Today we're going to talk about the fourth game in the series, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. What's so special about this game, Cameron? Well, uh, there's a few things to recommend it. Link's Awakening is the first of the mobile Legend of Zelda games. First one you could ever carry around in your pocket. It actually did a lot of firsts for the series. It has a character in it, Marin, who in a sense is the first fully realized character in the series with an actual arc that she goes through over the course of the game. Um, it's the first game in the series where music is important to the progression of the game thematically as well as uh, mechanically, which would be echoed in Ocarina of Time and then basically for the entire rest of the series for 15 years. And it's also the first game in the series where the story is half the point of the progression rather than it being all about mechanics. Yeah, we talked on the last episode about how Link to the Past is kind of the gameplay blueprint for every Zelda going forward. And you could consider this to be sort of the tone blueprint. In a sense, yeah. I think that we talked about how Ocarina of Time is sort of a remake of Link to the Past in a lot of ways. But Link's Awakening provides the foundation that Ocarina would build upon in every way that didn't have to do with its structure, which is really interesting to me because I played Link's Awakening all the way through for the first time over the course of the last two weeks. And it's been a very interesting seeing the different things from throughout the series that plainly found their origin here. Yeah, Ocarina kind of takes wholesale a couple concepts, like Marin and Taren are in there under different names. Yeah, uh, The trading quest is in there. Mm-hmm. Though not nearly as involved, as long, or as weird in Ocarina. And then Majora's Mask will kind of take all that and run with it, make it the whole focus of the game. Yeah, the Majora's Mask is often pointed at as being like the first of the really strange toned Zelda games, but in some ways it's less strange than Link's Awakening is. Yeah, Link's Awakening is definitely the first of the weird Zeldas. Yeah! It's also the first Zelda to be a side story and have nothing to do with Zelda or Ganon. Yeah! It's good that way. I like it. So should we start with reading the manual of this game? I think that might be a good idea. Would you like to take the first paragraph or should I? Uh, I'll start. Okay. <clears throat> Though you fulfilled the Hyrulean prophecy of the legendary hero and destroyed the evil tyrant Ganon, the land of Hyrule enjoyed only a precarious peace. Who knows what threats may arise from Ganon's ashes? The restless people murmured as they knitted their brows and shook their heads. Ever vigilant, you decided to journey away from Hyrule on a quest for enlightenment, in search of wisdom that would make you better able to withstand the next threat to your homeland. Okay, so first thing this establishes. This is a direct sequel to a game where you destroyed Ganon. Mm -hmm. Typically, that is taken to be a link to the past. Yep. Though, is there any dispute on this? I remember back in the day when Majora's Mask was the newest game in the series, and th that during that short gap between Majora's Mask and the Oracle games, when people argued that theoretically Link's Awakening could go anywhere, right? I suppose it could, yeah. Theoretically, if you ignore certain details in the game that suggest really, really strongly that it's from Link to the Past, it's... 
I do think that it definitely takes place after Link to the Past. You fight certain enemies that suggest that Link is fresh off of fighting a Ganhim and Ganon in that order. But it's interesting here that they refer specifically to Ganon's ashes because that feels like a callback to uh, Adventure of Link more than it does Link to the Past. So do you think this could be after The Legend of Zelda? No. No, there's not a chance. Link to the Past is definitely the game that came before this one. There's not really any point of dispute here. It's just something that I thought was interesting because th- that argument came up so much that Link's Awakening was treated as a wild card when I was a kid and I'm playing through this. This is shit is right after Link to the Past. There's no way to interpret it any way else and anyone who says it is wrong. Yeah, I think that's probably a thing. It's interesting that they do go back to the idea of Ganon is expected to return at some point. We have to prepare for it which is also the plot of Breath of the Wild. So do you think, in a sense, talking about a threat arising from Ganon's ashes may also refer to a foreboding way... uh, Rather, do you think it may refer to how Ganon would theoretically have to return from Oblivion to appear in Legend of Zelda? Yeah, I think that's the implication of this is intended to be between A Link to the Past and The Legend of Zelda. Hmm. Do you think it's no? No. Okay. Never mind. That's what I for. I've come from this Ar- Zelda timeline argument background, where my first thought is always like, "Does this support the single link theory?" No. No, it doesn't. That was oh always stupid. Hey, I listen. I came from a very particular part of the internet, attached to the Grand Adventures, where that was an idea for much longer than it should have been. The single link theory was always dumb. Yeah, pretty much since Link to the Past. It is explicitly a different Link in the manual. <laughs> well, I mean, I the manuals don't count. We don't know what they said in Japanese. The internet was barely there at the time. All right, I do remember there being a certain mystique of like, what if the games are completely different in Japan? Yeah, I mean, anime not gets... Just- basically the same thing what if they four kids to us crystal what if they four kids to us i remember there was an idea that maybe the japanese version of ocarina had the triforce in it that was real yeah the sky temple there was supposed to be a way to access the sky temple in the japanese version the uh, it was a special edition of the japanese oh god wow this is reaching way far back yeah you could totally get the triforce in the japanese version of ocarina of time because they just took it out for the localization make it more mysterious is there any game that ever actually did anything like that in the legend of zelda no definitely not any game ever any game ever i there has to be something right i mean something no because why would they remove significant amounts of content oh no i've got it um the Final Fantasy International versions would often have considerably more content than the ones that got localized in the West. That's the only one I can think of. Okay. But, uh, I miss the early internet. Yeah, I miss the early internet too. When it's so, Do you know how many ways I tried to ride Yoshi in Super Mario 64? It was a lot. <laughs> you could do it in the DS version. Yeah, I guess you probably could. I'll handle the next paragraph. <clears throat> Months of travel passed. After a long and fruitful voyage, you breathed deeply the sea spray from the deck of the ship that carried you home to Hyrule. But your homecoming was not to be. Suddenly a squall struck your ship, and though you valiantly fought the waves, a lightning bolt reduced your ship to splinters. I think one of the things that's really striking me here is that it's referring to you in the second person. You're the hero here. 
you are Link. You. It's it's you who's playing Link. And that's 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 kind of interesting. I know that they had very small sequences like that in the rest of the manuals, but the whole story here is couched that way. Also, this manual seems a bit thinner than the older ones. Are you holding the physical manual? No, no, no. I just mean looking at the PDF that we are both looking at from gamesdatabase.org. This manual has a lot of stuff in it. I guess I should say that the story in it seems a little bit thinner. There's less text in it. Well, it's a handheld game. I guess. But it has way more story than Link to the Past did. Definitely. But then they don't need to tell that story in the manual. They can tell it in the game. Oh, yeah, that's true. That was a really interesting thing while I was playing through the game. Because the Game Boy has much lower resolution than an NES had, right? Yes. But the graphics in Link's Awakening are way nicer in a lot of ways. The way that the sprites are drawn, the way they use negative space. Even the colors in the Game Boy Color version of the game, which is what I played, are worlds removed so it creates this weird space where it's theoretically blockier but in some ways it actually looks much nicer than the older games yeah they nintendo really did a lot of great sprite work on the original game boy doing a lot with a little uh it's really cool and this game was originally intended to be a port of link to the past really which is why i kind of yeah that's cool you know, I think I'm glad that they went the way they did with it, though, because a portable Link to the Past is cool, but an original adventure that went in the weird directions this one did is way better. Yeah, well, it kind of happened because Nintendo didn't really supervise what the port was, Oh. so they just kind of kept adding stuff. Okay, that makes sense. And changing stuff around, and it became a new game. Also, now that I think of it, playing Link to the Past on two buttons would be a nightmare. Uh, the GBA version's okay. I, I'm sure it is, but it. I'm sure the GBA version also had some UI updates compared to Link's Awakening, where you were not guaranteed to have your sword equipped. You know what, we can come to that after we get through the rest of the story. Your world faded to black as you sank into the darkness of the storm-tossed sea with the remains of your craft. But in the cold darkness of the deep, you heard a comforting voice that reminded you of home. It was the voice of Princess Zelda. Going to be all right, the voice said. What a relief. You opened your eyes to find Princess Zelda standing over you. Or was it? Actually, it turned out to be a woman named Mary. She explained that you had drifted off with the wreckage of your ship to the shores of... How do you pronounce this? I say Koholint. How do you say? Koholint Island. I I never said it out loud. Yeah, it's one of those words you just read. The mysterious island was unique for the gigantic egg which crowned its central mountain. It was said that a mythical creature, the windfish, lay asleep inside the egg. So the fact that Marin happens to sound like Zelda and look exactly like Zelda is interesting because it implies certain things about her function in the world and how the dream is being shaped. What do you mean? Well, there's two possibilities here, and I want to get a little bit more into that when we go over the plot of the entire game, but... One of the possibilities is that the Windfish is aware of Zelda and is dreaming about her, basically. But the other possibility is that Link is also dreaming and Marin is part of his dream, not the Windfish's. Oh, so like it's two dreams crossing over. Yeah, basically. Because the Windfish is like... It's basically a god, right? Yes. So why couldn't... A mortal dream within a god's dream. 
or have his dream pulled into a god's dream. Well, how do you even get inside a dream to begin with? I guess you have to be dreaming. I don't get it. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Is 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 the island physical? I don't think it is actually. So where's Link? He's We'll come to that at the end. We'll come to that at the end. Let me let's let's continue here. <clears throat> okay. You set out in search of your sword and other gear that might have washed up on the beach with you. As you stood in the surf with your recovered sword, a strange owl suddenly appeared and hooted this riddle. Awaken the windfish and all will be answered. What is the windfish, you wonder? And what did its awakening portend? Your most mysterious adventure yet, following the riddle of the windfish through the uncharted island of Koholint, is about to unfold. I just want to say that playing through this, I don't know if you played the beginning of Link's Awakening or not. I have. I played half of it. Okay. Did, did you ever get um, the seashell sword? I don't believe I did. Okay. Well, when you find your sword, um, you know how it's mentioned that you know it's yours because it has your name on it? Oh. Yeah. Link writes his name on his sword. And when he gets the seashell sword, which is like this magical dream sword given to him by a mysterious voice that is plainly just another aspect of the windfish trying to help him wake the windfish up, he first and immediately thinks, you better write your name on it right away. Because it's his sword? Because Link is a stupid kid who writes his name on things that are his. So if anyone else sees it, they'll go, oh, this is Link's. I mean, that makes sense. It does when you're 10 or 12, which I'm just saying this is like the first game in the entire franchise where Link's age becomes explicit in the text rather than through implication. I don't think it's... I think it's responsible for an adult to do that. Do you? Yes. Write your, if you lose your sword? Write your name on your sword? Yeah, then you write your name and your address. Oh, your address on the sword. And then you reward offered for return of sword. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Why is this so ridiculous to you? You... Well, I mean, it's just like... Would you do the same... Hmm... Boy, I wasn't expecting resistance on this idea, let me tell you. You write your name on your dog's collar, right? I don't have a dog. And also, all the dogs that we owned when I lived on the farm were basically free-range, and they didn't really wear collars. So, but if if they had a collar, you'd have a little tag with your name on it. Well, I, I, we'd have their address, but I don't think it actually... Like, we had our address, but... We, we did have a few dogs that had collars, and they had our address on them, but I don't think we had our names on it. So why is that so ridiculous for a sword? Swords don't run away. Also, yeah, but you can lose them. Granted, but you don't expect an. A, a, generally speaking, you don't expect to lose your sword, and if you do lose your sword, which Link has very special swords, you'd expect him to be able to re identify them regardless. And it's not even for the fact that Link writes them down so that it can be returned to him. He writes it down. And he picks it up, and the narration tells him, you know it's yours because your name is on it. He wouldn't know otherwise. Well, that's just a bit of fancy flavor text. Link is stupid. It, no, it's just the whimsical way that they the writing in this game is. Link is 12 years old, and that's he's okay. He's 12. He's an adult. He's really not. He is plainly a grown-up in the art. He is plainly an anime young teenager, 
And his entire sequence where he sits on the beach with Marin is just missing fireworks to be straight out of a coming-of-age story. Well, okay, here's the thing. This game is set after the Oracle games, and in those games, he's definitely drawn as a child. Okay. But in this game, he looks like an adult. I, 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 I don't know, Crystal. I don't know. I'm not and sure. In the Link to the Past, he looks like an adult. I don't know if I buy that either. The only games where Link are, is a kid are The Legend of Zelda, uh-huh. Majora's Mask, Oracle of Ages, Oracle of Seasons, Four Swords, The Wind Waker, Four Swords Adventures, The Minish Cap, Phantom Hourglass, Spirit Tracks, and Triforce Heroes. Crystal, I have never... Listen, he doesn't look any older in the art here in Link's Awakening than that shitty young teen from Nausicaa looked. He looks that age. He looks like Nausicaa's age. The shitty young teen from Nausicaa? Yeah. You mean Nausicaa? No! Nausicaa's a, Nausicaa is a good kid. You take that back. God damn it. Well, I don't know who you mean. Oh, the, 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 the you know, the, oh, God damn it. What the hell was his name? I'm going to have to Google Marin doesn't look anything like Zelda. Well, I mean, if, if Zelda was a redhead. No, their faces don't look alike at all. Artistic differences between the games, I guess? It says right there that she looks like Zelda and she sounds like Zelda. Which is weird because she ends up being the inspiration for Malin, who is very yeah, much... Yeah, we don't really think of her as being a Zelda these days. She's more of her own character as Malin and, and Marin. In a, in a sense, but she's very plainly, like in the text, derived from Link's image of Zelda. So if she doesn't look like Zelda, that's because of differences between how Link sees Zelda versus who Zelda is. Also, her dad is Mario. Listen, I've got the suspicion that Marin and Terran aren't actually related. Okay. That's basically... She she never refers to him as anything except for Terran. Not ever, not once. She never says that he's her dad or her father. She never calls him anything except for his name. And he never refers to her as his daughter. Is that so? I At least I think so. Well, then what is their relationship? They have similar names, and they live in the same house. Okay, so if Marin is Zelda, then who is Terran? Um, he's plainly Link's uncle. Oh, right. Yeah. So then, Zelda is your... Don't you dare! We're not well, doing this. Okay. No. So, okay, so Terran is Link's uncle... And he is, let's say, a father figure to Marin. I'm not even sure if that's true, because the relationships on Colent are so weird and nebulous. They're like smoke drifting on a windy day. The way any of the characters relate to each other, except where they very explicitly tell you, is so strange that it's hard to pin down. Unless people like... like a dream. Almost like a dream. Okay, so Marin is Link's... Dream sister. What else? Oh my fucking god, Crystal, please don't do this to me. Dream sister. That's so wrong. Hey, you wake up the owl, tells you, go wake up the windfish. Yeah. And what do you do? Okay. So if we're going to do the whole story thing, I'd like to... Should we tell it in, like, the order that the game presents it? Or should we do it like Breath of the Wild, where we start at the start? Let's start at the start. Okay. So there's this god... A god of sea and sky. A god who is basically just Levius from the Skyward Sword game. And Jabu Jabu. Uh, I don't think Jabu Jabu can fly, but we'll come back. We, we can come back to that. 
There's lots of whale gods. Whale gods are big in this world for whatever reason, but the windfish is a very particular one. And this god, he's dreaming. I shouldn't say he, because the windfish is never identified by anything except for it, even within its own dream in which it identifies itself. But it's dreaming, and it dreams an entire world centered on an island atop which is an egg. And in this dream, there's people and animals and fishes and everything you would expect to be in the world. And it's all according to a really strange dream logic, but everything fits together. And as it's dreaming, its dream gets away from it. And when a dream gets away from a god, it becomes very strange. Because a god's dreams are very powerful, and a god's nightmares are much worse. I think the nightmare of a god is defined by its ability to enact a will that is not the god's, as if the god willed it. So when a nightmare doesn't want a god to wake up, a god may not be able to at all. Well, isn't it also a self-preservation thing, where if it wakes up, everything's going to go away? What is... Do you mean everything that it's dreaming, or do you mean the nightmare is doing a self-preservation thing? Both. It wants to protect itself and also the rest of the dream. The nightmare does want to continue to rule the dream. That much is made very explicit. But the windfish wants only to wake up. It has multiple different agents that it uses for this. We'll get to that in a minute. There's a quote from the, from the Link's Awakening manga. Uh-huh. Oh, God. We are born from nightmares. In order to maintain order in this world enclosed in a dream while the windfish was given eternal sleep, we were born to prevent the awakening because the island will disappear. We are God. Well, that's actually not that far removed from the actu- from the text that you get when you're fighting it. It never claims to be God, and its motivations sound a lot more petty in the Game Boy version, but that's not that far off. That's a good that's a good translation, I think. But no, I, I the as the windfish is dreaming and it's beginning to have a nightmare, and the nightmares are marshalling their power, Link sails through the windfish's territory and the windfish in its nightmare begins to thrash and the windfish is a god of the sky and the sea and its thrashing conjures a terrible storm that destroys link's ship and link rendered unconscious is pulled into the windfish's dream okay this is the part i'm still a bit confused on okay so where is Link physically? He's floating in the ocean on a piece of debris that he is still floating on when the game ends. So there, there is no physical island. No. Because I, I kind of interpret it as, oh, because the windfish is a god, he can dream matter into existence. Well, that's actually true, but I don't think that happened with the island, because if it did, why is Link still on the wreckage from his ship? Well, okay, that makes sense, I guess. So Link is pulled into the dream. And as the god is dreaming, the nightmares, the god's nightmares, feel Link entering into it. And they can feel his dream, his past, the things he's done, the worlds that he's shaken and destroyed. Because this Link has destroyed worlds before. Hold on, what? And didn't the Dark World basically disappear when he wished on the Triforce? I thought it returned to being the Sacred Realm. That's a form of destroying a world, when you remake it so radically that it's impossible to tell apart and pull all the people out of it and place them in another world. Okay. It's not like he wished it into non-existence, but, I mean, he's basically destroyed a world. 
Anyway, that's not the kind of guy you want coming into your dream that you're trying to hold together. But do you think perhaps the windfish in its slumber sort of sensed Link coming through its territory and intentionally uh, broke his ship? Like pulling him into the dream? Yeah, as sort of a way to subconsciously defeat the nightmare. That's I, that's possible. It would make the windfish a tremendous dick with the way that the game ends, but yeah, that's very possible. Actually, the windfish is a tremendous dick with the way the game ends, regardless. Uh, why do you say that? We'll get to it. So, Link's pulled into the nightmare, or into the dream, and the nightmares feel his presence, and in response, monsters pop into existence all over the island. Because they mentioned to you that the monsters did not exist until Link washed up on shore. So there's ways in which the world responds to Link as soon as he appears, right? Right. And he's found by this girl who looks like the memory that he has of Zelda. And sounds like the memory that he has of Zelda. And then he's found by an owl who is an emissary of the god's will. The real will of the god, which is to wake up. So, if the monsters did not appear before Link did, that would suggest the nightmare is not like a terrorizing force, you know? What's the point of terrorizing a dream? Well, yeah, but like like I was saying, it just wants to preserve itself. Yes. but It's it, not like it's being mean to the citizens. It's being mean to the windfish. Nightmares are terrible. But what is it doing to the windfish, though? It's giving it a nightmare. What does that mean? There were no monsters before. The windfish very explicitly wants to wake up, and the nightmare is preventing it. Well, if it wakes up, it's going to kill everyone in the island. They're not real. They're just dreams. Okay. Hold on. There's a, there's a note about this. There's basically three agents of the windfish that attempt to uh, awaken it. And the three agents are the owl, who's moves specifically wake up the windfish using link guiding him along the course of the adventure to gather up the instruments of the sirens and play the song uh, the ballad of the windfish the second agent of the windfish is marin initially through assisting link and showing him the ballad of the windfish and the third is the statuary that's littered throughout the island the ones that have those cool little poems or riddles on them that refer to the fact that the windfish is sleeping and really wants to wake up. There's a particular one you find in the Southern Face Shrine uh, that goes, To the finder, the Isle of Koholint is but an illusion. Human, monster, sea, sky, a scene on the lid of a sleeper's eye. Awake the dreamer, and Koholint will vanish, much like a bubble on a needle. Cast away. You should know the truth. Okay, so the windfish is communicating to Link. Very much so. In fact, the owl identifies itself as an aspect of the windfish near the end of the game. Which, which makes sense, because everything in the dream is an aspect of the windfish, even the nightmare. So is the nightmare the part of itself that doesn't want to wake up because it feels guilty about killing everyone? They're not real. They're dream okay, March. What? Uh, what? From Final Fantasy Tactics Advance? I didn't play Tactics Advance. It's it's where they go into a dream world, and his brother in the real world is is in a wheelchair. Uh -huh. but in the dream world, he can walk. So he's like, I want to stay in the dream world. And you are like, no. Oh, that sounds uh, very... It sounds like it would start a lot of internet arguments. Yeah. Okay. But this is a little different, isn't it? Because there's 
only two dreamers here, Link and the Windfish, and both of them want to wake up. But Marin is real. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Because Marin starts off as something very much like the owl in how she tries to guide Link to waking up the Windfish. But there comes a certain point, a little past halfway in the game, where she runs off on her own to the Windfish's egg and tries to sing it awake by singing the ballad to it. And that wouldn't be interesting on its own except for two things. And that the emissaries of the Windfish don't seem to try things that don't work. And the owl is deeply confused by what Marin is doing. So Marin's like developing her own agency. Yes. It's almost like she's awakening to her own consciousness. The dream of a god becoming real unto itself. Though you could also argue that part of her difference from the rest of the dream is that she is from Link's dream. And that the mixture of the dream of a mortal and a god could surprise both of them. This is also the plot of the Elder Scrolls. Which, no, no, I'm not going down that hole. That'll be a later episode. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Elder Scrolls. I don't even have to, no. Um, So, you know, it's interesting the way that the game presents the story of it. Because the idea that Koholint is a dream is presented to you in bits and pieces over the course of the game. Kind of presented very explicitly in two places the southern face shrine and then i think the boss of the dungeon after the face shrine which is a mole dorm or something and it basically tells you very explicitly listen if this is all a dream if you wake up the wind fish all of this island and everything on it will disappear keep in mind you're also on the island so when I played this game, I went into it already knowing that it was a dream. It's almost impossible. I feel like that's a pretty well-known aspect of this game. Yeah. So the way you're describing it makes it seem like it's not really that well-hidden of a twist. Um, I think this is another case where the game was legitimately and honestly written for 10-year-olds. Oh, that's fair. But on the other hand, because you do read reactions from people whose heads just exploded in shock and realization when they had that conversation with the boss or when they read the stone tablet in the southern face shrine because up to that point it's actually fairly subtle you get these cool weird half poems that you find on stone tablets around the place but it's not really explicit about it until those two points it's also got one of those good titles where you don't know what it means until you get deep into the game it's like oh okay that's cool yeah it's like bioshock infinite cameron i'm trying to recover hold on from what from the bus oh fuck's sake well no, well okay i mean that's a bad game but i'm saying the title's good because you know before the game comes out you're like oh this is just a cool sounding subtitle then you're like oh there's infinite universes that makes sense crystal you exist in a very strange place in my mind where i'm like prepping myself for you to be shit posting in a conversation. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I'm not sure I do either. But here we are. Bioshock Infinite, I swear to God. I actually liked Bioshock Infinite, but that's not what this podcast is about. No, it's not. Bioshock Infinite had a lot had a lot of had a lot of tone problems. I, I think I think that uh, I think that Link's Awakening is a is makes more sense and has more internal consistency and fewer tone problems than Bioshock Infinite. So where were we, Cameron? Um, we were talking, I got lost. I got lost utterly. We were talking we were about, talking about 
the reading the the inscriptions it's a dream oh yes so you it but we got to that point because you were suggesting that the nightmare was trying to preserve itself and the very real life forms that are the people on the island but the thing is the more you talk to the people on the island the less real they seem which is one of the most interesting things about the game because when you first talk to them they seem very simple like other characters in zelda games up to this point but Eventually, Link starts asking them questions, and things take an interesting turn. Like, there's a collection of young boys who are all identical. They're all the collected sons of that guy who gets lost in Tal Tal Heights. And it, uh, it's interesting because Link asks this kid how long they've been living in the village. And the question, how long, is so nonsensical to the kid that it gives him a headache. That is strange. The implication, I think, is that the dream actually hasn't been going on for very long. So, okay. So, yeah, these people are weird, kind of barely sketched out figures. Yeah. But we do have an example in Marin that they can, over time, develop a real consciousness. They could, yes. Marin. So perhaps the nightmare is just trying to foster that development. Hmm. That, hmm. Maybe you're the bad guy. Maybe I am the bad... No, I don't think that... No, we're not doing that. Link's not the bad guy. Link's trying to help. Okay, well, I mean, Link... Link's gone unfairly thrown into this, but maybe the Windfish is the bad guy. The Windfish is the bad guy for trying to have, like, sovereignty over its own consciousness? Well, its own consciousness is kind of having its own thing going on. Is this... Oh, God. Is this almost like... No, no, we're not doing that. Um, no, I, I think that it's fair for a dreamer to want to wake up. I think that's fair. It's like, oh, the dream doesn't want to wake up. And it's like, you're just part of me. You're the part of me that wants to keep sleeping. Leave me alone. I'm going to wake up now. Why can't I wake up? This is bad. And that's the Windfish's whole experience. Well, until Link came in, the nightmare was winning. Yes, the Windfish was locked. So what that means is, so if the nightmare is an aspect of the Windfish, that means really the Windfish wants more to keep sleeping than to wake up. I think that if we accept that Marin can develop its own consciousness, that the Nightmare probably developed its own consciousness too. In fact, I, I thought I made a reference to that near the beginning, where I think that the Nightmare is one of two independent consciousnesses that develop within the dream, the other one being Marin. So they just don't want to die. They'll fuck them. Because the first thing they do when I show up is try to kill me. Well, you're trying to kill them. No. I wake up on a beach and don't know what's happening when I'm being attacked by Octoroks. Link's a very violent person. Link's a deeply violent person. That, there's no question about that. You don't meet Link with a show of force because he will knock you down. It's the only Link that has killed humans. It. Mm, I don't think that's actually true. We, we'll talk about that in the Twilight Princess episode. But yeah, up to this point, he is the only human murderer. And he's a good human murderer, too. He did it to lots of them. What's a nightmare to this guy? Nothing. But yeah, so I think that that's interesting because in a lot of ways, Marin was a focus of the larger arc of the story. She has her own development over the course of the game that sort of presages a lot of characters in the series going forward. I think I said earlier, I think she's the first real character in the series. The first, perhaps the first real Zelda. I suppose if you want to view her as an alternate Zelda, yeah, she's the first version of that character who's really contained unto herself. But you could even consider her to be the main character of this game, like Elma in Xenoblade X. I can't. Did I make that argument about Elma? I think I might have. A lot of people have made that argument. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was 
the most interesting part of the game up up to a certain point. This is the story of a figment of a dream developing its own consciousness and then turning into a seagull. You, yeah, that's skipping to the end a bit. So these different aspects of the windfish guide Link along. He gains power. He fights the nightmare. And the night. this is an interesting part to me because the nightmare becomes things from Link's memory. It becomes uh, a Lanimalus, I think. It becomes uh, a Ganim. It becomes Ganon. Which yeah, it makes sense that it would draw from the only other conscious being. Can it, though? Or is it simply suggesting that the nightmare is a manifestation of both Link and the Windfish's bad dreams? Well, why would Link be having a nightmare? Well, he, he got his ship destroyed, and he got hit his head real hard. Oh, oh, you're saying, like, this, okay, this is like his PTSD from his ordeals. Well, no, it's just like, wouldn't you have... You can have nightmares without having PTSD. Oh, yeah, fair. But yeah, what? Yeah, I think that I think that they're very much drawing upon the worst imagery of Link's past, which suggests that he's involved in the shape of the island more intimately than the rest of the game hints at. Do you think? Uh, so we talk about how the island didn't have monsters before Link showed up, right? I think it maybe was shaped differently before Link showed up. Maybe. I mean. Yeah. Maybe more amorphous and not as based on the link to the past map. Is it based? Oh my god, it totally is, isn't it? There's a swamp yeah. and everything. Yeah, so his very presence sort of reshapes the world to be more Hyrulean and makes it more concrete and unchanging. Yes. Oh, interesting thought. So what's the what's what's the animal village in this uh, in this comparison? Uh, the part where he, the flute animals. Oh. Uh. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Say that with more confidence. I believe it. The part with the flute animals in A Link to the Past. Thank you. Okay, yeah, I buy that. And they also like to sit around and listen to music in Animal Village. Uh Uh-huh. When Marin sings to them, they're all super excited. They won't even talk to you. Well, also, this is all probably derived from the fact that this was originally a port, so they had probably assets left over. Link to the Past didn't have little teddy bear people. Well, it didn't have Kirby's either. Okay, speaking of Kirby's, do you want to treat those and Wart, it's just Wart, Wart's in the game, as, like, interesting Nintendo jokes, or do you want to address them canonically? Uh, let's address them canonically? Okay. I mean, Mario also shows up in Ocarina. Wart? Oh, Mar? No, that we can talk in about the- in some other way. That's art. We'll talk about art when we get to Ocarina, because I know you're going to remember that shit even when I forget it. But uh, so Mario and Kirby are a Zelda canon. I don't think that's exactly it. The thing about this is that the only Nintendo characters that appear in this are characters who are based in dreams. Kirby from Dreamland and oh. Wart from whatever Dreamland he's from, right? Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Which means that even if the physical universes of these games aren't connected, that their dreams might be albeit through the dreams of a god oh so you're saying whenever any nintendo character dreams oh no it's it's all in the same this is dream space as it were that's steps beyond what i wanted to say but yeah okay yeah 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 or at least the dreams of a god can be so vast that they can touch the dreams of other worlds 
This is how Smash Brothers happens. This is how Smash Brothers happened. They all dreamed about each other. And it's a went, dream of master hands. Yeah, mm, no. No, we're not. No. I don't think that one happened. But yeah, yeah. World of Trophies. I think that it's... I, 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 it sounds goofy, but I actually like the idea that there's this series of discrete universes split into many timelines across which dreams can spread without minding the barrier between worlds this is also part of the elder scrolls lore really yes oh that's dangerous Ugh. okay so there's a canonical nintendo dream world yeah what else um let's see we know that it's not actually kirby it's just a regular uh pop star person because if it was actually kirby we'd have a lot more of a problem killing him with a boomerang um and we we get sung to by wart and they fight the nightmare and link plays the ballad of the windfish on the eight uh on the eight instruments of the sirens each representing a bit is that what it is that's how i like to think of it oh so that's why there's eight of them yeah it's eight bit music it's a very good eight bit track oh it's amazing like when i listened to it i thought wow i can't believe that they got this out of the game boy sound chip this is crazy like, I don't think I heard anything else that complex in, on the entire system outside of something in Pokemon, maybe. Yeah, I think the both the graphical and audio fidelity they got out of the Game Boy is kind of the most amazing use of hardware any video game company has done. Yeah, when the Windfish shows up and it's got all those waving rainbow motifs going around it and you're on top of like a world of dream crystals while the music is playing, I was like, this is the craziest looking bullshit I've ever seen. This was a system designed to play Tetris. Barely. To barely play Tetris. And it did all this stuff and I was like, wow, this is such a pretty game. I can't, this is easily the nicest looking Game Boy game I've ever seen in a lot of ways. And the Windfish wakes up, right? Mm-hmm. And, well, it starts to wake up. Its consciousness is able to be free now that the nightmare is dead. And it says to Link a bunch of things. But the last thing it says, let us awaken together. Oh, that makes sense. Which seems to me to make it explicit that Link is asleep. Yeah, Link's Awakening. Right. That's the ending of the game. That's the title of the game. And then they wake up together, and Link comes to, and he's still floating on the wreckage of his ship in the middle of the ocean. And he looks up, and the god, the windfish, is flying away. And Link's very happy about it. He's glad that he could help. Link's a good, he's a good kid. He's just so happy to have been of service. Killed a bunch of people. Hey, they're not people. They are dreams. There was only one person out of the lot of them. And she manifests as a seagull that is singing the Ballad of the Windfish, which is the wish that she held so dearly that she had it in secret from the god who dreamed her. And that's the instance where the Windfish, as a god, makes its dream into a real thing, a being of its own, creating life from the ether, and I thought that was really cool. Oh, so you think the seagull form was like a gift from the windfish? Yes, very specifically. I interpreted it as like she manifested herself with her own power. What power? Of consciousness. Is consciousness enough to exist? Sure. I don't know. I think that the 
would the nightmare have manifested if the windfish woke up without no no everything that the game suggests is that when the windfish wakes up every part of the dream will be destroyed including the nightmare which is why the nightmare was trying so hard to keep the windfish asleep i don't know if the i think of the nightmare as being roughly as conscious as marin is but i could be wrong there i suppose but i saw it very much as being a gift of the windfish Okay, so maybe he's not such a bad guy. Yeah, that seems like real nice, right? And Link's waving to both of them as they fly off, and the windfish sails into the clouds, and Link is still sitting in the middle of the goddamn ocean on a stick. Hey, Cameron? Yeah? Do you think all life in Hyrule was created from dreams of gods that gain consciousness? Are you laughing? Yes. You sound like you're trying real hard not to laugh. You should make fun of me. Yeah? Don't. Why you gotta no. make fun of me like this? I'm no, I'm presenting that seriously, but I also know it's very silly. Well, I mean, I don't. I think that. Oh God, have I said this before? I think that the exact form that creation takes isn't as important as the fact of creation itself. But Marin's a little bit different because she had to become her own person first, and if she wasn't her own person, there would not have been a seagull in the end. And incidentally, if Link falls over dead at any point in his story, Marin does not get to be real. She's just a dream. She gets to be real within the dream. No, the dream's gone. He wakes up. She's a moat on a sleeper's eye. But the nightmare would, would keep the windfish asleep forever. No, 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 no. See, this is a dream. Link can fall over, die, and hit the continue button. He's not going to die in real life? No, he's just dreaming. See, that's the, that's, how many Zelda games have different endings depending on how many times you die? Oh, okay. Now I see what you're hitting at because she only becomes a seagull if you don't die. Right. So if you die, it like reboots the Matrix? Um, I'm not really sure exactly what the difference is. It may be that it weakens Link's connection to the world. It may be that it weakens Marin's connection to Link. It may be that it changes the way the Windfish sees the dream. And so he simply does not bestow the gift. But I think that Link actually dying in the dream can happen canonically within the story as opposed to all the other games where Link dying canonically doesn't happen in the story. But so there's no way for him to get out other than defeating the Nightmare. Right. So the Windfish is trapping him. Yeah, absolutely. Though I like to think it's not on purpose. But then the windfish flies away and leaves him floating in the middle of the ocean. And Link doesn't... Yeah, is he going to die in the ocean? Yeah, see, this is why I said the windfish is a dick. Because it's like, you don't want to give me a ride there, Levius? You don't want to do... No? Okay, bye. This Link does not appear in any other games. He could have died on the ocean. Ah, he could have. He seemed awfully relaxed about the whole thing, though. He was, he's, he's awfully cool about it. He was like, all right, I'll see you later. I mean, this Link is a strong swimmer. I also think the fact that Link is dreaming is a good explanation for why he's lost all of his strength compared to his Link to the Past incarnation. That makes sense. Like, when he wakes up, he's got 20 hearts and a halved magic meter and all the cool stuff. But in his dream, he's just like, oh god, why aren't I running at the right speed? Yeah, slow down, like moving through molasses. Yeah, like that. Okay, was there anything else I wanted to cover in this? Marin is Zelda. Windfish, Agents, Marin is Skynet. Um, Link is dreaming. Kirby. Riding on the statues is really good. Yeah, the riding on the statues was actually very good. I like those a lot. Are we ready to take some questions? Uh, do we have questions? Oh, shit. Oh, man. Oh, I want to go see. Hold on. Oh, 
We have a couple of questions on Twitter. Oh my god. Okay, questions on Twitter. That's good. I thought you were talking about in the the mail account. Okay, yeah, go on. Okay, uh, first from Henroid T. Was he napping or straight up sleeping? Who's he? I don't know. Okay, um, there's only two people that this can refer to. The Windfish or Link. Um, Well, you talked about how it seems like the dream has not been going on for very long. Yeah. I think it might have been... The Windfish was sleeping. It might have been intending a nap. Link was unconscious from a blow to the head. So maybe when it feels like it wants to create some life, it'll go into straight-up hibernation. But this was just a little nap. Yeah, something something like that, I guess. Will Link... Oh, this is also from Henry T. Oh. Will Link stay woke? I... He's gonna die at sea, so no? Maybe, uh... I... Mm. I actually think he probably makes it... He, he's, he'll make it back to shore. It's just a goofy ending, but... uh, what are we... Will he have political consciousness? Yeah, that seems to be what the question is about, and I don't feel qualified to answer this. Okay, his descendants, Link, would become king. That's true. That, that's not very woke. Well, I mean, it depends, right? If you're... Uh, can a king be woke? Cameron, don't argue for monarchy on this podcast i I don't like monarchy i've talked about this i'm not big on it what were you gonna say then i was wondering if a king can a god be woke sure okay there's dragons in breath of the wild actually chill actually come to think of it what does his descendants have to do with link himself well they're him are they Soul the spirit of the hero. Yeah, but we talked about this. Soul of the hero doesn't necessarily mean a continuous consciousness. Well, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying they are, for all intents and purposes, the same person. Uh, no, I'm, no, 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 I'm not buying that. But I'll leave. you. That That's your question to answer. I haven't got any good answers. Uh, okay. Well, I guess yes. The answer is yes. Okay. Because he's going to kill Ganon's. Killing Ganon is good. Yeah, he's not He's not going to have a polite debate with Ganon. Yeah, you, you don't, like, wait for Ganon to see your side of you. Because Ganon, at least, is very honest. And he expects to kill you, and you expect to kill him. Okay, here's a question from at definitely exists, Cassandra. Uh, we kind of talked about this one, but is Koholint connected to Subcon? What Subcon? The answer is yes. What, what, what Subcon? That's the Mario 2 world. Oh, Okay, yes. Yes, it totally is. Um, it's not clear in what way that it's connected, or why, or even how, but it, yeah, it's totally connected. It's also connected to Dreamland. Yep, Dreamland, Subcon, and Goholint are all connected. Which is the closest we've ever gotten to a canonical Smash Brothers. Uh-huh. Maybe Mario Kart is all a dream. Whoa. No, yeah, it's but... like It's like the, in Inception, when you can do lucid dreaming in the dream world and go go go-karting oh did they go go go-karting in inception no but they did it in mario kart oh okay no see i think that the way the mario canon works is very different from the way zelda canon works in that mario canon isn't real in its own uh universe so to speak they're actors. They're actors. Mario, Peach, Bowser, they're all just actors playing parts in stories that are played out over and over in different ways over time. And I, I like to think that they're all friends outside of work. And the only time we see them behaving as they really are are in the sports games and the racing games. Where they just Now they're 
is one more dream world we should consider. Okay. In the recent Zelda guidebook, which also declared the oracles to have a different timeline placement, uh-huh. uh, they also said that Termina was a dream. I don't want... Really? Interesting. Yeah. Is this something you want to engage with at all? I think I kind of do, actually. I mean, would it be better to do that in the Majora's Mask episode? Well, let's just talk about if if it would be connected to Koho Lintz. I mean... It's the dream of, I think, the Skulkin? Is that what it is? I, I don't have the context to talk it's, about it's this. It's a very dumb guidebook. Oh, okay. Is that Oracle's why... It's also, like, after Four Swords Adventures. It doesn't make any sense. Is that why it puts the Oracle games in a different place instead of right smack between Link to the Past and Link's Awakening where it plainly belongs? That's not the reason why, but it's just a separate thing. Uh, no, I mean it, it being dumb. Is oh, it, yeah, it's very dumb. Yeah, it, it being dumb is the reason it puts them in a different spot. I can't believe they made up the timeline. I can't believe they just spun it out of whole cloth. Or wait, do you mean like that they tried to stitch it all together or that they just immediately threw it out the window? No, I can't believe that the fact that they threw it out the window means that they totally did not have any plan ever. Well, it's confirmation. I, well, I mean, who is that really that surprising, though? A little bit. Really? Because, I mean kind of wanted to believe why isn't it more fun to put them together in your own ways but i want to be right there's no such thing as right it's all fiction come on that's what i call woke oh okay okay here's a question from your friend molly oh god is rock's feather the best item in a zelda game uh-huh there have been some good items in zelda games uh, the beetle's pretty good. Oh, I like the beetle. I also like the uh, the the wind bellows. Wind bellows are pretty good. Yeah, yeah, those are Skyward cool. Sword's good items. The whip's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's just good items up and down. Um, uh, the hookshot is a classic, of course. Oh, the hookshot's always good. It was really good in Link's Awakening too. I liked how far it reached and how many enemies it would kill. The boomerang's a good item. Yeah, the beetle's an even better boomerang. Uh, I have to mention the shovel. The shovel's a good item. Uh huh. That's the, the, uh, the tablet. Oh, the the Sheikah Slate? Yes. Yeah, if we're just talking utility, I think the Sheikah Slate has pretty much everything else beat out. And I do like that it's a tablet. The part in Phantom Hourglass where you have to close the DS. Oh, that part's pretty good. Where it like uses the real world as an item for interacting with the game. That's good. Uh, the thing in A Link Between Worlds where you turn into a painting... Was that tied to an item? Uh, it was tied to a bracelet you wore around your wrist. I don't know if you could properly call it an item because you couldn't unequip it. Um, the part in Link's Awakening where you go into a side-scroller and jump on Goombas? Yeah, that's not an item either, though. Uh, what so a, I just wanted to mention that part. Yeah, that God. Yeah, that was always really cool when the bloopers and the Goombas showed up, and there's never any explanation for it, and there's these giant statues of Bowser's head that you can attach to with the hookshot. They're just, you know, bleeding over from Mario's dream. Yeah, I guess they're dreaming all at the same time. Yeah? Yeah. We've created... Well, dreams are timeless. New canon. Um, God, what would be the bet? I haven't played far enough into the Oracle games to get it, but what about Rock's cape? Doesn't that kind of serve the same function? I don't know. Doesn't it let you glide a little bit? Rock's feather, Rock's cape. Because the Oracles are very much spiritual successors to this game. Right. Both in tone and gameplay. Right. Did it fix the thing where you had to have the uh, 
power glove or not power glove the power bracelet equipped to pick up pots i can't remember because i don't know how long it's been but if you touch oh, yeah. mm. rockscape is an upgrade to rock's feather which allows link to glide so i guess that's the best item well that's the best item in the rock series of items the parasail's pretty good. Oh, I do like the parasail. Like, if we're just talking about the way that it changes how you interact with the world, the parasail has to be near the very top. I might go with the parasail as number one. Oh, man. Oh, oh, jeez. Oh. Yeah, okay, the parasail's also my pick. The, if, if they made Rock's cape in a modern Zelda game, it would basically be the parasail. So I'm going to give it to the parasail. Okay, here's the next question from... Elich Russo's Ada Lovelace's Which instrument is the best? Now we have the thunder drum The full moon cello The conch horn The sea lily bell The surf harp The wind marimba The choral triangle And the organ of evening calm Can you give me 94 seconds to listen to that song on YouTube So I can make this decision? Sure Would you like a link? Sure. All right, let's see here. Oh, God. Oh, it's doing that Google link thing. Let me just pull up the actual page. Here we go. Hey, can we talk about how the bracelet kind of looks like a croissant? It does. It looks I very tasty. I it was a croissant as a kid. Really? No, that makes sense. I, I actually might have thought something very similar. Boy, this YouTube video maker sure took a while to figure out what to do. Oh, Jesus, God. The emulator goes insane when he tries to do the ballad. Okay, never mind. But uh, I think that of the eight instruments listed, I'd have to go with the horn. Though, ironically, I think the best instrument in the game is probably the ocarina. I like the choral triangle. Yeah, that is really nice, the way it provides that constant beat. Oh, God. Every part of that song is so good. Hey, who invented the musical triangle? Was it, like, a joke? No, I, I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure it was somebody who... Like, was very serious about what they were doing and also possibly was way up their own ass. I want to look into the history of this. There's no inventor. It was just at some point in the classical era came about. So it's basically apocryphal. Yeah, this was buried from someone in the future who time traveled back. Well, okay. I'm glad we answered that question. Okay, here's another question. Oh. From Definitely Exists, Leader Cassandra, there's tech like telephones beyond what Hyrule has. Is the Windfish dreaming of the future or another dimension? Or the distant past, I suppose, since technological advancement in Hyrule is weird. What's your take on this? Well, like I said before, dream worlds are timeless. They don't have to conform to the timelines of the real world, especially since the Windfish is a god. Right. And has been around forever and will be around forever. Oh, I don't know about that. What do you mean? Gods die in this series. They get their shit wrecked. Well, not really the nature gods. No, because the first thing Ganon does before he even appears in Ocarina of Time is kill the great Deku tree. Oh, yes, you're right, you're right. I was thinking of, like, the dragons and stuff. Oh, I'm sure he could have killed the dragons if he had really wanted to. I don't, they seem really chill about everything that's happening. Yeah, they do. Dragons are dicks. But yeah, um, I, I think probably the stuff from the telephones, 
Hyrule always has some really uh, weird anachronisms for its technology, like these pieces that are just much more advanced than they should be. The weird thing isn't that there are telephones, it's that Link knows how to use them. I mean, so the actual reason is because, like we said before, they did not really supervise the development of this game. Mm. Developers just kind of put in whatever they wanted. Uh huh. But yeah, like, there's no phones in A Link to the Past. True. Or any other Zelda game. Well, there's like jukeboxes and stuff in uh, uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. They do appear on the Link's Awakening map of Hyrule Warriors Legends. The, the phone booths? Yes. Oh, I never played Legends. So maybe Link, like, if the dream worlds all bleed into each other, maybe the phone booth is from New Donk City. Or poss- Yeah, okay, we're gonna go with New Donk City. That's what we're doing. And Link's Mario's knowledge of telephones kind of bled into Link's mind. I wonder why the phones are so old-fashioned if they're from a city as hip and happening as New Donk City, which is so. Mario's an old-fashioned kind of guy. Okay, yeah, I can the buy. Young twenty-four-year-old man. Is he supposed to be twenty-four? Yes. Jesus, God, hell! How do you reconcile that? I, I I've read him as being like late thirties since I was a child. Mustaches make you look older. I guess so, but like even Luigi seems older than twenty-four. Does he? And Peach is plainly about thirty something. Well, I mean, how old was Bowser? Bowser, being an alligator, can theoretically live forever as long as something doesn't kill him. Well, okay. Here's the actual thing. How long do gorillas live? Huh. Lifespan of Lifespan. gorillas. Because Cranky Kong is a young man, 35 to 40 years. That's pretty good. So if he's like, if Cranky Kong is like 25 in Donkey Kong. Right. That means that like at least 10 years have passed since into into Donkey Kong Country. Right. But, But Mario's not in Donkey Kong Country. What if Donkey Kong Country isn't canon? What? Yeah. What if the only canonical appearance ex- appearance of Donkey Kong is in Mario games? Okay, what about Mario versus Donkey Kong? Yeah, sure, that's canon. Why not? But that has Donkey Kong Country Donkey Kong. How do you know? Because he has a tie. So? That was introduced in Donkey Kong Country. Have you ever seen Cranky Kong outside of a Donkey Kong Country game? Yes. Where? Donkey Kong. Uh, don't, mm. I mean the old, old gorilla who's withered. In a rocking chair. You ever seen him anywhere except for Donkey Kong Country? Okay, let me let me check. I don't think so. I mean, obviously there's trophies and the like in Smash Brothers, but that's not what we're talking about. He's in Donkey Konga. Donkey Konga. Huh. I'll have to think about that. Oh, wait, nope, that's right. He's actually in Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. That's a Donkey Kong Country. Wait, game. is he in is that a Donkey Kong Donkey Tropical Freeze. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Yeah, okay, I got that right in one. Yeah, what Donkey Kong Country is? I was really trying to suggest that maybe Donkey Kong Country, as made by Rare, isn't canon. But if okay, he's but then Donkey Kong Country Returns. Yeah, and Tropical Freeze are both retro games. What if those aren't? It's a mention Donkey Konga and uh, oh, what was the GameCube one? Jungle Beat. What if the Mario games and the Donkey Kong Country games are separate timelines? Okay, where do they diverge? Um, they diverge at Donkey Kong. So one is where Donkey Kong wins? One is just where Donkey Kong stays young forever like Mario does. 
So Cranky Kong, as he's running around in Tropical Freeze, is the same character as the Donkey Kong who's riding around with Mario in go-karts. Hey, Cameron. Yeah? This is a Zelda podcast. I don't know if that's true anymore. Okay, so did we answer the question, (laughs) why are there phones? I think we did about as hard a job as we could. This is from Kusi Kusi, Ruth. Is the extra dungeon in Link's Awakening DX any good? I mean, I liked it. I thought that the... uh, the, There's a couple of things to consider there, right? Uh, Did you ever play the color dungeon? I did not, know. Okay. Well, the color dungeon is interesting in two ways, in that all of its puzzles rely on color. It's short, and it gives an upgrade that utterly breaks the game in half. What's that upgrade? Well, you can choose to take half damage or to deal double damage. And the game is very much not balanced around Link being that strong. Because when you deal double damage and then you have the level 2 sword, which is what I had before I went into the 4th or 5th dungeon, there's basically no enemy that can survive being hit by you, except for mini-bosses. It's kind of like Link regaining his real-world strength. Sort of. But, I mean, just in terms of, like, not in terms of lore... Because there isn't really any lore there to speak of. It's very, um, it feels very different compared to the rest of the game. Like it's completely unconnected. It feels like a, it feels like a piece of Chrono Trigger DS content. Uh, maybe that's a bit. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, but it, it it's fun enough, but it's too simplistic to fit in with the rest of the dungeons, and it breaks the entire rest of the game. So it's a fun experience, and I definitely recommend you do it, because Link's Awakening is actually a pretty tough little game. But I don't know if it's a good dungeon. It's definitely worth doing. Definitely worth doing. I like it. I like it. I like it. Well, that's all the questions we have, Cameron. Oh, thank God. I mean, uh, we should get some more. If you want to send us questions, email us at bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. That is... Book of Medora podcast at gmail.com. Do I have anything else to say about Link's Awakening? It's a really, really good game. I had more fun with it than I thought I would. I don't know if it's my favorite of the 2D Zeldas, but the way it establishes its own identity so firmly and so uncompromisingly just really appeals to me. If you have the opportunity, you should play it. Inspired by Twin Peaks, you know. Why don't you tell me about that? Well, Twin Peaks was on the air during the development of this game. Okay. And that show was actually surprisingly popular in Japan mm-hmm. for some reason. And he kind of, and uh, the director of the game wanted to write characters kind of like on Twin Peaks who were sort of quirky and odd and suspicious. Right. And then they did. Makes sense. Um, is Where's that taken from? That's from the I Want to Ask interview on the development of handheld Zeldas. Oh, very cool. Is that part of uh, a particular section that we should look at? Sure, we can look at the section in question. It's part three, I believe. Make all characters suspicious types under the Iwata Ask Zelda handheld history. That's pretty cool. Deep and distinctive characters. Oh, I don't know. I think that it definitely needs to get its ups for the way that it carried the series forward because if it hadn't been for the way that Link's Awakening pushed for it, I genuinely believe that Ocarina of Time would have been nowhere near as character-focused and the rest of the series also would have been very different. Yeah, definitely Ocarina of Time would have been like a very straightforward story. Much more of a Link to the Past remake than it ended up being. 
which is kind of how people perceive it for some reason. Yeah. That game has a lot of weird stuff in it that is clearly inspired by this game. Yeah, yeah, but people tend to, unless they happen to be very well-informed listeners to our podcast, people tend to downplay the complexities of things that go into these titles, just the way different parts of them intersect. I mean, a lot of the early games are pretty simplistic in the way that works, but starting with Link's Awakening, you get a lot of disparate parts that fit together in ways that are super interesting if you're willing to look at them. Yeah. That's what we're here for. And hey, Cameron? Yeah? Where can we find you? Oh, uh, you can find me at CamWriter on Twitter and absolutely nowhere else. Don't go looking. You can find me at Arcane Crystal. You can find this show and lots of other shows on AudioEntropy.com. Yay! Hey, Cameron? Yes? What do you get when you cross a Link's fairy friend with a swap What is it? A navigator.